listeners and subscribers to Pod Like a Whole. This is co-host Eric Anderson reporting here for this uh, bonus episode. Uh, that's right, this is not fall in line with our other episodes because it's only tangentially related to Nine Inch Nails. Yes, dear listeners, you'll see that this uh, episode is about the big three, three huge industrial bands that we would not have discovered if it wasn't for Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Nine Inch Nails uh, fostered a deep love of industrial for all three of us, and we need to uh, do our due diligence by recording a short episode about our love uh, for this uh, genre of music and these three bands before Nine Inch Nails moves away from industrial. So, enjoy. Uh, if you are not into this episode, don't worry, we'll be back to Trent Reznor's antics very soon. But for now, this is the industrial bonus ode of Pod Like a Whole. Here we are. As as promised, we're going to discuss the big three of industrial music, um, uh, that uh, in which Nine Inch Nails ushered us into their their uh, warm uh, bodice. Um, I'm Eric Anderson, one of the co-hosts of Pod Like a Hole, and uh, with me is uh, Mark uh, Gutter Springs Brandstad. I'm Mark. Hi, Eric. Uh, Gutter Springs. That's a new one. Yeah. And Steven, Severed Rat Face Chambers. Uh, hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the uh, Pantheon, my friend. Well, and uh, Eric, did you mention the, in this episode we're doing a little bit, uh, something different with our... Right, yeah, in addition to this being a bonus episode and, and not centered around Nine Inch Nails, we're also recording this um, over like an online chat instead of in person. Um, uh, you know, just an efficient way to get this bonus episode out to you. We save the magic of us three being in the same room together for official episodes. So sound quality is a little better for those two. Um, so uh, I think we're just going to jump right into it. I, as promised, we're going to talk about the big three of industrial music. And we're going to start with um, kind of the group that ushered in the second wave of industrial. Um, just briefly, the first wave of industrial was considered uh, very early, early synth play, um, noisy stuff from Coil and Throbbing Gristle and Severed Heads. Um, and, uh, and then synths were kind of picked up by pop music, but these, you tend to find in these groups that these, these synth players wanted to do something a little bit more, which is exactly what happened in 1982 when uh, Kevin Key the synth player for Canadians' Images in Vogue uh, wanted to do something different than their very catchy, very radio-friendly uh, synth pop. Um, I've listened to a little Images in Vogue. It's it's it's, it's it, it, it reminds me of that band Real Life that did Send Me an Angel. Ooh. It's like that. Oh, but, you actually you went back and listened to them, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually like that, but um, way I, I think it's way more interesting. But it's probably the sick-ass synth work done by our friend Kevin Key. Anyways, he wanted to do something different, so he uh, started messing with some uh, like tape loops and noisy uh, distortion to his synths, and he brought in uh, a Kevin Ogilvie, 
no relation to Dave Rave. And uh, Dave Rave of... Is Ogilvy just like a common Canadian name? I'm going to say yes. It's it's the Smith of Canada. Yeah, it's the Smith of Canada. So, um, you know, it's like... Or the Silvera of Canada. And by that, I mean the the Smith of Portuguese is Silvera. So there you go. That's right. Um, And so in 82, they they got together and did a couple demo tapes um, and kind of made a name for themselves for doing something really out there and experimental. It was sometimes dancey, sometimes it had like anthony vocals. Uh, Kevin Ogilvy changed his name to Nivek Ogre because there was already another Kevin in the band, of course. Um, Just Kevin spelled backwards. That's right. That's right. Now, the thing with Kevin Key, like, I, because, you know, he has the C. I remember when, uh, not to derail the history of here. No, it's good. But me and Steven saw Ogre do his uh, side solo project kind of during the uh, the period when Skinny Puppy actually was broken. <clears throat> and he referred to Kevin Key as... It's the number seven. I wonder if that was just a one-off. Do you remember that, Steve, or am I crazy? I think you're... You might be right. I haven't thought about it in almost 20 years, but that sounds like it could be right. But yeah, that was the... That was for the the Ogre tour for the first album, but Kevin Key or Seven Key played drums for it. That's right. That's right. Well, I've been saying it wrong. They played Frozen Sky during that show, which is amazing. (laughs) I, uh... I've been saying it wrong all these years, but... No, no, no. Like, honestly, I don't know if it's Seven Key or Kevin Key, but I think it might be pronounced Seven. I don't gotcha. Know. Well, their uh, really brief um, overview of the band history before we kind of talk about our experience with them, but they put out a lot of tapes, a lot of really noisy experimental stuff. Their first song together was called K9, um, and they got some good, uh, some good publicity by opening for Severed Heads for opening for uh, a later opening for Nine Inch Nails, opening, opening for Ministry. And then... Um... <clears throat> God damn it. <laughs> I just, uh, listener, dear listeners, fair listeners, I just got a text from Steve saying, mind the uhs, as I said, uh. So I, I'll, I'll work on that. And then they, they got a new uh, member in their band, and his name was... Uh, Dave Gotel, or no, Dwayne Gotel, and I don't, I'm sure I'm butchering his last name. And they also got Bill Lieb, who would leave very quickly and join um, Frontline Assembly, but was really cool when they got those two members. Suddenly they had um, some live synth bass going on, which uh, added this really kind of funky layer to what they were doing and made, totally made him stand out from synth music. And um, Dwayne Gotel was a classically trained pianist. So it added a real layer of um, uh, melody to their kind of noisy experiment. Yeah, I don't think they ever would have gotten to where they were if uh, Dwayne Goidel didn't join the band. Yeah, I think that's fair. And members left, members died over the years. Um, and they worked with uh, Dave Ogilvy. They worked with Al Jorgensen from Ministry to produce uh, a very guitar-heavy album called Rabies. Uh, they... Like I said, they lost members. They cut and paste an album together with Rick Rubin on American Records uh, called Process. They broke up for many years and came back and are together now with the guy that does the music for Ogre Solo Project, right? 
Dave Walk. Mark Walk. Mark Walk. Yeah, Walk. he basically took the uh, the Dwayne Gordial position. Yeah. And uh, there, I, I honestly love every single uh, album by them. got into them basically having listened to Pigface because of Trent Reznor's uh, involvement in Suck and you know saw this name Ogre did a little internet research found out there was this whole band called Skinny Puppy to check out and I remember a friend of mine at the time I was it was not Greg Walgast uh, bless his soul but I was back in back in California and I had a, I had another friend and we would each save our money go to go to the record store on the weekends buy a different album from a band we are getting into and then copy the album for each other and trade tapes. So he got Bites and I got uh, Last I got last Rights. Well, that's the way to do it, man. Yeah, and both were great, both completely different. I mean, Bites being their first full LP was a total, like, almost new wavy, but noisy with slightly spooky vocals and a lot of extended musical sequence songs. Last Rights is just a clanging, banging junkyard of a uh, experimental, um, musically, like just sonically mind-bending industrial album. Um, so, I mean, that's that's Skinny Puppy. They're they're very difficult to listen to, uh, but with beautiful moments of beauty, mo- moments of melody, uh, and it's very uh, very re- rewarding if you uh, if you stick with them. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I. I, I, I tried to note when we were going to talk about them is that, yeah, they have a lot of noise, but they always seem to bury like a, somewhere in their songs you're going to find some kind of orchestral beauty of some sort, just like some some synth line that's uh, really pretty underneath all the that. say they had a fair amount of side projects if you like them you could explore like as we said much later ogre <coughs> would put out his solo work that um you know he was he was working at his most most probably melodic and clean vocally he was also using a lot of uh vocoder and robot voice but done to fit the music perfectly um he also had side projects with uh martin atkins uh from uh, Pigface uh in, with rx um yeah yeah, Kevin Key had a thousand side projects. He did uh, none of them good. Interesting. Uh, well, let's, he did Cyberactive with Bill Lead from Frontline Assembly, um, which I find that one to be uh, noisy, you know, spooky, catchy. I think that was a great Cyberactive is a great one. Doubting Thomas is not for everybody. That one's also with 
build lead, and that one's like some pretty soundscapes with an like an industrial, soft industrial drum beat in the background. Down you know, low. Thomas, Doubting Thomas reminds me of, uh, and I never finished it, but if the, if the comic book The Sandman was a, a <laughs> band, that yeah. would be Doubting Thomas. Basically, Doubting Thomas is if Delirium had Kevin Key for one album. And Bill Lee, doesn't Bill Lee did Delirium? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. He did. yeah. There's I'll also talk a little bit about Bill Lee later. Yeah, I got, uh, I got some things to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, there, uh, Kevin Key and uh, Dwayne did Hilt, which I have not heard yet. They did a project called Hilt. And then, of course, uh, Kevin Key and the singer, I don't know his name, from Legendary Pink Dots did Tear Garden, which I love. But yes, it's very emo. Very emo. So uh, there's a, but if you like. Edward K. Spell. Isn't that his name? Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. Look, look who's a super fan now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always, I, you know, I've always, even though it's funny, Skinny Puppy, I, I was fascinated with Skinny Puppy before I even listened to them. Uh, their name and their imagery I found to be interesting. Um, and then by the time I got around to listening to them, it was post Nine Inch Nails. And it was because it was actually had a lot to do with the imagery, because uh, Mark and I's buddy Seth in high school, he had an older brother named Max. And Max was the the prototypical cooler older brother, and uh, Max introduced Seth to a ton of music that he tipped me and Mark off to. And uh, Skinny Puppy was definitely one of those bands. If I recall correctly, Max had like photos he took, like eleven by seventeens of a Skinny Puppy show yeah. of that tour, where like uh, Ogre had. Basically, Edward Scissorhand hands, and he would claw through a sheet. Yeah, and that like, was like my first what? introduction to it. Yeah, and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is some shit." Yeah, I think, I think it's important to mention a big part of them was their their message, which a lot of it was you know very like uh, pro uh, you know protecting the earth and um, you know animal fighting. rights. But yeah, animal, animal rights, rights was, was their big thing, and they're often in the show. Yeah, Ogre would play this um, vivisect doctor who would then, like, something would happen to him and he would get experimented on and become, like, a half-man, half-animal. It was just very dramatic, very, uh, you know, terrifying stage show. Very theatrical. Yeah, yeah, a lot of blood. Well, yeah, their, their stage show was what they were very well known for. was uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of props, a lot of shit laying around the stage, a lot of uh, footage being blasted behind them. An ogre would wear masks, he would be covered in blood. And, uh, oh, he was a great front man. Um... Not the greatest vocalist, but he knew how to use what he had. And uh, I was actually, over the years, he became a better singer. But he wouldn't lean on the fact that he learned how to sing. He would still do grunts and barks and shit on a lot of the albums. Right, right. Um, I was always fascinated by him. I was at, When uh, when the, the Wait for the Ogre album came out, and then that Ogre album did come out, I listened to that Ogre album so much in 1999, 2000. Yeah, Welt. Uh, that was a, a hell, a hell of a record and we went and saw him and it was a, a nice little club show and he still came out and wore masks and did some weird nonsense. He's a, he, he gives us all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the thing about Ogre uh, is his uh, 
lyrics. It's more stream of consciousness, um, and I actually really appreciate that a little bit more because of the imagery that he uh, draws up, right? So it's all it's all like just projecting images in, into your brain. It's like yeah, it's very clear but specific to what he's trying to say. You know, I'm surprised that neither one of you mentioned the fact that. Uh, so for me, getting into Skinny Puppy was just a simple. Um, history of Nine Inch Nails where he was talking about his influence and inspiration for Down In It, how it was oh, yeah. reminiscent of Dig It. And <laughs> yeah. That's where I looked it up. I looked up what Dig It was all about and Steven spent the night at my house one night, and... and well, I spent the night at your house many nights. Many yes. nights. But that's where you started to download Assimilate. Um, I remember you getting that song on MP3. Um, that's, such a, that's such a banger of a song. So good. So good. So good. Uh, Killing Game, I think you downloaded that one. And oh, love Killing Game. Yeah. That was actually, because that was the first album I bought. And for, that was... for our younger listeners, downloading music back then was a fucking trial. It was, it was. This was the late '90s, so we were dealing with Napster. Oh, we might have been dealing with LimeWire. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even deal. I didn't even download anything until probably 2000. So good, good on you. That's crazy. I, I bought my stuff like a good American. But yeah. so Eric, uh, to yeah. kind of, I don't know if you wanted to go in more into Skinny Puppy, but what would be the top three albums that you would recommend to the listeners? Sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I would definitely put I put Bites as my number one. Um, I think that's their first full length. It's synth crazy, um, but it gets. What's into, a, but they all. I honestly, I I consider myself a huge super fan. Yeah. I have a goddamn skinny puppy tattoo. But the early stuff, it's really actually, it's hard for me to remember what songs come from what well, albums. Well, Bites op- assimilates on that. Bites one. opens okay. with assimilate. Yeah, it, by, and it has. Uh, Mini, yeah, it has like Center Bullet and a lot of really, really great. Center Bullet's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, really, really good songs on there. It's long. There's a ton of tracks, and it's got some of the coolest like tape loops and synth synth effects. You know, you can hear. And just for the time, it's been their first full length. It's just so ahead of its time. And part part of the reason I get confused with that early stuff is also because there was Bites, then there was another release, which is the one I purchased, Remission. which was Bites and Remission. Yeah, which was a com- combination of that album and the EP, I believe. Right, and, and, and remission. Uh, yeah, Smother they did. Cope was on remission. Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah, they did a lot of. Yeah, they did a lot of. Uh, yeah, you're right. Combination of bites and, and the EP. Um, so yeah, so that one uh, is really good. And then I, I'd be remiss to not mention their later work where they started using guitars more. Um, to which I'd probably, you know, I might say rabies. Because it's just it's it's almost equal parts Skinny Puppy and Ministry, but that makes it so and that's what so fun. That, to that, me. that was I'm sorry to step on you there. No, it's fine. You're good. Um, that was very divisive among. I don't think the fans <laughs> gave. It. I think I don't know what the reaction was. I mean, we got a, you. We were what uh, seven. We weren't listening to Skinny no, Puppy at the yeah. time. But uh, I know that if historically, uh, Ogre was hanging out with Al Jorgensen. And then Dwayne and Kevin Key were not, basically. And that album, they kind of were like, this is not a Skinny Puppy album, this is sure. Ogre and Al Jorgensen sure. album. It's important. Whatever. It's, it's important it's to mention album. that. Yeah, it, it has Warlock. Yeah. It has uh, 
the Ohio Ohio song. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's got a fascist jock itch. It's got yeah, it's got warlock. It's got Doesn't um, have Tester on there as well. No, Tester Tester is an amazing song. That's on the sex. I hope you make sure we're properly dead before you start, old Ripbeak. Prototypical Dwayne Gaudio, beautiful orchestral synths underneath everything else song. Yeah. With uh, that um, live bass solo on that uh, remix version, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Um, and they have they have a lot, you know. Yeah, among Eric has mentioned this to us before in our texts. Yeah. But they they, they were very they, yeah they were an industrial electronic band, but they had a lot of good musicians. Like they had good musicians in the band. Uh, Kevin Key's a great drummer. And also, there's everyone like Skinny Puppy had a lot of, like bass heads, like bass bass players. Yeah, they have a lot of good bass lines in their work. Yeah, with stuff that would usually just be programmed by synth, and some some songs even start and it just sounds like it's a program synth until it starts doing its own thing and adds variations constantly. It's great. Skinny Puppy and Ministry, but it's it's a really fun album, and because it has Warlock on it, that just automatically flies into my upper echelon. Um, and then, you know, weirdly enough, I, for my third choice, <coughs> I'm just going to recommend any of their weird B-side collections, early Brap stuff. Because, oh, yeah, you would. Yeah, I That's would. That's wild, man. I would, <laughs> and this is why. This is why. They were doing some Kraftwerk-esque almost like noisy hip-hop beats when that was fucking unheard of uh, early on. And that just, that shit blows my mind. And it's very good. And that's, and I'm not, honestly, I wouldn't put that stuff even higher than like Mind the Perpetual Intercourse or uh, Cleanse Fold and Manipulate because those are amazing albums and those probably are better or more cohesive albums. But something about those, um, those like just crazy, those synthy, hip-hoppy, Early tracks, uh, just it blows my fucking mind. But it's all. It's, hey, could you give our uh, so tell us what is brap? <laughs> well, brap, brap, and and the back and forth EPs. Well, ugh, ugh, that's a no, hard... the term brap. Oh, I don't know. What is the term brap? Do you know that, Mark? No, I don't. I don't really. I think brap just is like a word for noise. But the back and forth weird albums. What what right. are those? Well, the the, the back suggest? the back and forth albums are their early tape work before they even. Um, like bites came out, uh, had songs like Canine uh, on it, um, had some B sides from their singles, uh, some remixes. Um, Brap was this crazy enhanced CD-ROM that came out. It was two discs. It came out in yeah. in the late '90s, probably right before the process came out. You know, going back to my uh, Sandman uh, yeah. comment, I didn't even think about it. Dave McKean did the work. Uh, our cover art for some of their albums yes brap including brap brap included and Dave mckean was a sandman artist so yeah. that's where it all brap. ties together but i will say that brap thing is worth is worth looking at i'm sure it wouldn't play on any of our computers now but what was so cool about it that 
The music CD is great because it's got new reworkings of old songs. There's like a great version of like Nature's Revenge or Grave Wisdom that they do on that one. Um, so they just like rework their old songs and just, it's just cool to hear. Um, there is some, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, Deadlines sounds awesome on Brap. Anyways, the second disc is a enhanced CD-ROM that you put in with crazy graphics and you maneuver this <laughs> burning hotel room. And then like you get to watch their music videos. So I got to see all their music videos, uh, live footage of uh, like them on tour. And then, the, of course, don't forget the trailer for Chunk Blower, the, <laughs> <laughs> the horror film about a murderous uh, tow truck driver uh, starring Bill Lead in Frontline Assembly. And, and uh, I believe Kevin Key did the music for that. Uh, oh man, <laughs> it's a great little there, fa- it, fan. Collection. There is some skinny puppy in Hollywood stuff. Um, they appeared as a band in a movie whose name I completely forget now, so I don't even know why I brought it up. Thanks for bringing it up. But but uh, <laughs> Al Jorgensen and Ogre did that. What's that band they did in RoboCop? PTP. Show me PTP. your spine. Yeah, they're they're in RoboCop. Yeah. And also, uh, Ogre's been in some movies in the last like fifteen years. One called was it Repo the genetic the, the genetic musical? Yeah, the genetic opera. <laughs> Has anybody watched that? I have not watched that. No, no I refuse. It's not my thing. <laughs> no, it's not mine either. And like I said, I adore Ogre, but I only have so much time in the day. Right. Um, let's see. Some well, he's going in- more of a Rob Zombie route right now, so I'm not. Caught. Ogre is. Well, in terms of his film work, yeah. Oh, the I mean, film work. Very, yes. Like, yeah. 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 Yes. I was going to say, musically, that's not fair. Yeah, Open no, is a no, fine no. album. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the more recent stuff, uh, yeah, so they broke up for a while after Process, which uh, Process, much like Filth Pig at the time, people seemed not to like it, but looking back, I love it. Um, and they got back in the early thousands, and it was a big old deal when they got back together, to me at least. Uh, Mark and I, we saw that tour at the Regency, wasn't it? That's right. Eric, it was for you, the greater wrong or the right. Yeah, Eric, have you ever seen Skinny Puppy? I have not. I saw. Uh, I saw Ogre. Ogre was at that KMFDM show that we already talked about. Yeah. And he came out and did his song with them, and that's the closest I've been. Yeah, if they ever go on tour, <laughs> and they still tour. Yeah. Uh, we need to go see them together. I, I think we'd have a lot of fun. I agree. Uh, I agree. The last album was good. The old stuff is great live now. Um, yeah, they, they actually, they're part of the reason Youth Code became a thing. Uh, Youth Code's a, a band that this podcast supports. Sure does. They toured with Skinny Puppy quite a bit. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's about all, all I right. think I have to say. I uh, I guess it would be a good time to just mention... Well, Steve, do you want to hit you? Uh, do you want to hit the viewers or listeners with your top three picks? Oh, yeah, I will. Uh, Nature's Revenge. I've always, you know, you are in very serious trouble. That's a, it's a good song. Uh, second would probably be the process, which the process has a um, cult candle. It has hearts, hearts at head. Yeah. It has candle. 
Death. Some great songs. Yeah. And I can't figure out why, like, we got in this gameplay right after that album came out, and I can't, at the time, it seemed to be maligned by the fans. Maybe because it was because they went to a major label and people were being reactionary. I have no idea. And it was it was um, cobbled together. They were broken up by the time it ever came out. Yeah. 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 The definitely, yeah, it's they, great, they, I, they, I really enjoyed that one. I think it's I think it's fantastic. No, that's yeah. the, the, for that it might be for that time. That was the most cohesive album they ever put out up until that point. Um, and even though it's not true, Skinny Puppy, uh, definitely Rabies. I yeah. think uh, Rabies for Warlock alone probably Rabies, but that's the whole album's all right. That's what I was saying. Yeah, it's it's a cool album. My uh, my favorite song is definitely uh, Nature's Revenge, but Texture is my second, like right behind it. I love that song. So good. I'm a big fan of Addiction, Smothered Hope, and uh, Assimilate. Deep Down Trauma Hounds is always up there as well. Mm, yeah. It's a good one. But my top three albums is pretty close to yours. It's Too Dark Park, The Process, and Bites. Uh, Last Rites is really close to being number three. Yeah. Man, Last Rites, one six, time six. I did... One time I did mushrooms listen to Last Rites, and I'll tell you, that was a fucking day. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that album has right some. There. That album has some noise. It has some some skittering monsters in the background on that yeah. record. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I think Lots we can all stuff. agree. I think if if anybody wants to check out Skinny Puppy, I think if you just boiled it down to Tester, Assimilate, Warlock, Smothered Hope, and Addiction, you would have a or and Nature's Revenge six fine. You'd have a damn day ahead of you. It's those are that that yeah. that, that, that was they're, so. so they're, their singles collection's actually a great entry point. It, no, it's fantastic. That's, yeah, agreed. Yeah. If you can handle that singles collection, and I know we keep saying it's challenging, and if you can handle, but their music it's it's not. You can't process it the first listen. You got to listen to every song at least twice. Right. And if you can listen to that singles collection and say I want to hear more, you'll be in for a world of uh, great things. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah, got some deep cuts. Yep. Well, that's good the, stuff. I, uh, I'd like to take a moment before we go into the next thing to mention, yeah, Bill Lee, who started with Skinny Puppy, ended up becoming Frontline Assembly, and I am a pretty big Frontline Assembly guy. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not changing the world or anything, and also they managed to somehow give us delirium. <laughs> but, yeah, Frontline Assembly, it's, a, it's Bill Lee and Rise Fulber, mainly, are the two guys. Right. And they're more danceable. And Skinny Puppy ever was. That's that's probably why. That's why he went left and did Skinny or Frontline Assembly. It's definitely uh, Amazon dance music with guitars. But I would I, say I would say I, that I, I I I subscribe to their catalog. I would suggest it to anybody that likes this kind of music. Uh, the albums Implode and, Ep- and uh, Epitaph, and their uh, one they released in 2014, uh, Echo Genetic, I believe it's called. All great stuff. Go back further. So, Go listen to Caustic Grip. Uh, that one is really, really good. Caustic Grip is fantastic. I think why why I was hesitant on them initially was I liked the sound of the music, but I thought the vocals were like like completely ignorable. Which They're, the vocals aren't terrible, but they are the lead. They're the weakest link. Yeah, but it was unfair because I and even when I was deep into industrial music, I just kind of wrote them off. But uh, you know, in the last year, I've you know really gotten into like the albums you mentioned and then like. Uh, Neural, uh, neural implant, I think is what it's called, and caustic grip, early stuff. That's really good too. So, well, like a lot of the, like a lot of the stuff, yeah. In the last, it, it you know, you, you fall in love with shit when you're a teenager, 
then you go away from it because you think you got to be smarter than some of the stuff you like. And then in the last few years, I, I remember texting Eric, being like, Eric, you know, Friendly Assembly is pretty good. You should check them out. And yeah. uh, we both agreed. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah. So. And I will say, Implode has moments of beauty on that album that that are like matched by some of the the fucking fanciest shit. It's a beautiful. But the album. best work of Delirium. Yeah. 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 Implode is a masterpiece. It is beautiful. No it, it is. It is wonderful. Good. Yeah. It is wonderful. Yeah, that album came out. I think '99. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So that's just been that, a, yeah. that, that's just a little aside. Mark, do you agree with Frontline Assembly? Yeah, no, I do. I, I don't uh, celebrate all their work, but most sure. of their work sure. is uh, is pretty high quality stuff. Yeah, uh, I am, I've got a really good affinity for that album implode. So. Yeah. Sasha Konietzko. Uh, they started in, in 1984. And I think when they started in 1984, it was kind of like a uh, New Bouton noise apparatus. Don't you don't you think that that's fair? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the early stuff is cleaners were involved in the live show. Yeah, they're they're banging they're banging they're taking vacuum cleaners and they're banging them against broken amplifiers and someone's dropping bricks on top of glass in the background. Um, they, they, they started out doing that kind of thing and around that time Annette Nesh was one of the founding members who was a like six foot four extremely gaunt old German man basically like Nosferatu and at that time our buddy Raymond Watts who was also Pig was in the band and he was kind of doing vocals and multi-instrumental stuff. Um, they, they started they started there in Germany, and they moved over to the United States. And I don't know when they actually took off, but in the late <laughs> 80s, they kind of had that noisy, dubby stuff. And around the early 90s is when, like, the KMFBM brand seemed to take hold. Um, so you start off with the first few albums which is Opium, Don't You Blow Your Top, UAIOE, uh, What Do You Know Deutschland, and that stuff is all, a, not abrasive, but actually it's got a beat, it's subdued guitars, the bass is in the forefront, and no heavy samples, really. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's like really crusty dance music. And around the 1990s, they shifted into a more guitar-oriented... In the early 90s, they, they took that, they tossed guitars on it with a guy named Gunther Schultz, and they got a little bit more groovy. And as they moved into the mid-90s, they got a little bit more aggressive, and the guitars started to come to the forefront. 
And with in the mid nineties, they took that, that early noise stuff, dialed that back. They took that groove stuff, left it where it was. They took that <coughs> ultra aggressive guitar, kind of made it a little bit more palatable and found a sweet spot in the mid nineties In the mid to late nineties of KMFDM is where I love that shit. And then in the early zeros, they broke up. They released an album where they called themselves MDFMK, which is unlistenable. <laughs> and then they reformed as KMFDM again, released one decent album in 2002, and then have been terrible ever since. Is that a fair uh, summation of the evolution of KMFDM? 100% agree. I yeah. sign off on that yeah. assumption. Yeah, Hard that's part. totally fair. And- out of these three acts I believe right uh, if you get that there's a reason uh, the KMFDM is like a, a huge fan base in San Francisco because there's a huge goth dance atmosphere in San Francisco uh, some of their some of their more late like mid the, the, the mid 90s to late early aughts work it's you can definitely dance to it in a, a goth club and that's the stuff I, I don't like a lot but uh, yeah. when they when they're dialed in, they're a lot of fun. And kind of like Skinny Puppy with the... Uh, Skinny Puppy had a lot of themes of, you know, what the fuck's the government doing and don't kill animals. KMFDM's thing was always watch out for fascists. And it's kind of funny because you go back and listen to... I listened to their earliest, earliest work recently. There are samples in their earliest work. And I know I said they didn't use a lot of samples. I take that back. There, some of their earliest stuff does have samples of just, you know... Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. There's 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 samples of the earliest work which you can apply to today, of of anti-fascism, and uh, no, they're they're all, they're all right. Um, some of their stuff seems kind of simple, but the melodies are not that complex. They 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 don't send you down the rabbit hole that some of these other bands will. But KMFDM was always more about. Uh, having a good time is not it. Not not. And they will here, but absolutely tell you who you're listening to a hundred oh, yeah. times uh, in their yeah. songs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can't will tell you this. <laughs> for no pity for the majority. Um, 
yeah. Not yeah, kill yeah, motherfucking people... Depeche Mode. Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but no, so how did you get into KMFDM, though? I got into them... It's hard to remember how I got into them. Like, I feel like I just heard about them, and then that album, Symbols, came out. And that was my first KMFDM album in 1997. Was it and because I was, with my, I was on it? Or was it, did you, pig, did you get into Pig before KMFDM? Or was no, I got that... into him after. He was after. Okay. The, the, the learning that Pig was on nothing and that he was in KMFDM happened at the same time, but I got into KMFDM before. I can't really trace back how I got into them, but for a while I considered them the be all and end all of everything. Hmm. Yeah, I... I, I. All I know, I, I was in high school, and I ended up loving them. I remember when Audios came out, I bought it the day of. I don't remember if Mark and I bought it together or if I bought it myself, but I bought that that day. And the reason I remember that day so well is because, unfortunately, that was the Columbine Massacre Day. It was, yeah. And and those clowns, like they were KMFDM fans, and they. They scheduled the massacre for the day that their favorite band put an album out. So what the fuck? They didn't want to hear the album. It never made sense to me. <laughs> well, it's Hitler's birthday on 420. Yeah, but you know, yeah. uh, listen. If uh, Christmas is coming, you're looking forward to Christmas, and you also kill a shit ton of people on Christmas Eve. You're not going to enjoy Christmas. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Good point. Um, I mean. I, I do think MFDM is a solid band, and they definitely have really high highs. And I think they peaked uh, at a certain point when, uh, you know, it's interesting. So Tim Skold also was in no. uh, contributed no. to this band, and that the Yoko Ono of, of everything of industrial music. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I the thing about Tim Skold though. Um, is the fact that, like, yes, he joined Marilyn Manson and kind of derailed that band and then joined Kim FDM and kind of derailed that band. He joined Kim FDM first, but I, yeah. He did. He did. Then he, he also toured with Ogre when he did yeah. his solo tour. He played bass for him. But honestly, listening to Skold's solo record before, uh, after mm-hmm. he got out of Shotgun Messiah is actually not that bad. Chaos! It's yeah. not that. Hey, no, I I I own it. Ticket. I no, own Mary. it. Tim Skold's song on cymbals is great. 
He does Anarchy. Anarchy, Anarchy is a great yeah. song. And I, there would be no reason when, when hearing him on that you would think he was anything other than like a really cool new up-and-comer. I bought his album when it came out for that exact reason. And uh, yeah, I think he was on that tour that I saw also. He was. No, no. So, I mean, no, you know, no judgments, but just he was definitely the, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, just he was a little too, it was clear that it was style before substance with him. You know, pretty soon. Um, it's just funny. What came at the end? They started out as a really weird art house project. They became this the groovy band that kind of sang about drugs, but also watch out for dictators. And I don't know. They're just a cartoon band. So they, they really they became they they always had the cartoon aspect. They all they they they, they were self aware. I think. Yeah. But they have a sense of humor. I'll give you that. Yeah, they always had a sense of humor. I, not of these two bands, they definitely had the biggest sense of humor. Uh, but around the turn of the century, it all became just generic riffs over bad Pro Tools production. Yeah. And it didn't have the heart that the earlier stuff did. Well, Here, the here's formula a, of Juke oh. Joint Jezebel was such a big hit for them. And mm-hmm. then it seemed after they had their resurgence in the late 2000s, they just really drove that into the ground. Yeah, You Join Jezebel is a amazing song. It's a great song. But they've tried to remake that song 20 times and never hit that. They never figured it out again. She did not sing on that song. She did not sing on that no, song. No, she does not. She, no, she didn't. She joined. She, she, she didn't she join until MDFMK. To she joined the band to right. full time be that 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 house music part of that song. The, the diva That's vocalist. Right. The diva, yeah. It was her, Sasha, and Tim Skoller MDFMK, which is terrible, terrible album. They they um, always had a diva terrible. vocalist that that would yeah, do something. But she, I guess they just got the studio. Her and Sasha got married. They actually have a child. Oh, okay. Um, oh. Well, they always had a diva vocalist even before that, but I, I assume it was just a studio singer each time. Yeah, they, they would get like a godlike and uh, naive. Yeah. And, um, you know, so no, can't can It's uh, they had high highs. They haven't been good for about 20 years. I tried to you know, I tried to listen to Hell Yeah, and it wasn't as bad as I thought, but that doesn't mean it was good. <laughs> um, yeah, ever since, ever since Adios, they haven't, Adios should have been it. They should have left with Adios, and I think Adios is a decent. cents on them. I got into them because <coughs> my friend, the same friend that, that and I would tape swap, he got uh, Nile when it came out and showed it to me. And that has Duke joined Isabel and everything. And uh, like that whole album blew my mind at the time. Like I thought it was great. It's a solid it record. Great. And, back. and I went out and I just, in my completest form, like as a kid, like I went back and I even just bought... Uh, uh, I bought what do you know what do you know Deutschland uh-huh. uh, from there and I thought it was cool I thought like you said it's just like a dancey 
synthy. Actually, that, it might be their most subtle album, <laughs> if that's possible. When I put that when I put that stuff on now, I love it. It's yeah. good. That's good music. Yeah. But uh, as yeah, and, but the way I kind of like and I and for a lot of years I I, I collected their music and. I loved Symbols when it came out, saw them for that tour, like that's going to be a very special album for me. But, um, you know, I think their sweet spot for me would have been early 90s, um, would have been Vogue. Hello, Teenage America. No, Money. Money was the album. Yeah, Money and, and Naive. Not even Money. But both Vogue of, is a good song. Both of those. It has, um, that, song, it has that song Split on it. That yeah. is a great song. Yeah. That's the way of the world. Yeah. And it, it was what just... What you waiting for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it started, it they started doing... House elements, right? What? It does, yes. Yeah. And they started that, doing that was, guitar. Was, they, they had that really... The early 90s was really cool for them because, yeah, they had the house <laughs> elements, but they just had... Uh, Gunther Souls just joined the band and had the riffs. And it had these beats, and it just melded perfectly. Right, and, like and money, money's a great song. Money's, money's a, song. a great single. I love the song yeah. Vogue also. I or think. Virus, Virus, Virus is a great, is great. Song. Vogue. Yeah. Um, uh, and during that time, I think, and I and I talked about this um, in one of our recent Nothing Records episodes with with um, Pop Lead itself, and I sometimes I can enjoy them and KMFDM better if I look at it like at this art house collage. Of like pop culture stuff that they're that they're kind of cramming together, which makes them way less serious than most industrial, um, yeah. and easy to write off because they're way less serious. Um, and I can see that when you but, look at yeah. when you look at Came at the as the band that name checks itself over and over again, right. you have a lot more fun with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I will say like that era, they sounded the best, and I think yeah, obviously they peak with Duke Joint Jezebel and Symbols. Some of the techno. Tronics in that album is amazing, but f- from then on, I feel like they go, they just, they, they go double down on their guitar work, but they're not heavy musicians. So, like, it's like turning the lights on in a strip club. Like, all the faults are way more apparent the, the harder they tried to get later on. Does that make sense? I don't know. Well, I think I've mentioned this before. Gunter Schultz left with Adios, and he was a secret sauce for Canada Jam, I feel, in that era. Right. If you take him out, they added a good Pig's guitar player is good, but with Cam at the end, but with Pig, his name is Steve White, I think. Right. With yeah. Pig, I feel like he's part of the band. With Cam at the end, I feel like he's a, he's a hired gun, and you can tell. Plus, he gets Pig is slow music, and he mm-hmm. gets to just he gets all the room he needs to do what he needs to do in Pig. Cam FDM is fast riffs, which just gives you yeah. power chords quickly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, not a good. Match. However, records sell now. They still make money off them. So, right. But old Sasha K. He's uh, he's got a he's got at least two houses. So hit us um, with your top three. My top three is definitely going to be Nahill, which is just a great album, and also the only album without Brood artwork. <coughs> and we were missed to mention uh, 
one of the cool things about KMTM is the same artist has done ninety-five percent of all of their art. Yeah, uh, such which a is distinct, those, those brood album. Covers. Such a good idea. Such a good marketing tool. Yeah, very. Yeah, distinct. in his in his artwork, it's it's uh, how it's like impre- It's like nineteen. It's like oh, what what is that? Like nineteen thirties cartooning. Like, yeah. I mean, Eric, when you uh, post the, when we post this, uh, we'll post a link to the video for uh, Drug Against War. Oh yeah, and that whole video. Oh yeah, is yeah, artwork. yeah. It's, so it's like a collage. That, that whole video is yeah, the slideshow of all their artwork. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And uh, no, the hill, and then second is symbols because it's weird. I can't remember how I heard about KMFDM or got into them, but I know that was the album that I think got me into them. Yeah. Um. That, that album really really holds up well and then the third would probably be godlike godlike's on an album though yeah godlike Na- naive sorry naive yeah, yeah. naive yeah. naive has godlike on it yeah and that, that it's the riff from godlike that just kills me yeah and that should also that, that album also has split on it i believe which the split single i did a uh, for one of the delaro art classes i i made that album cover and, and uh, one of my Pieces of art. Nice. So, there you go. How about you, Eric? <clears throat> Albums or songs? Uh, either one. Okay. If you want to do, yeah. If you're, if you're more comfortable with doing songs. Let me. Yeah. I. It's 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 hard. I would say I think their. I think their best albums are. Uh, Money. Um, Nile. And symbols. Um, but if somebody wants a quick a quick song here and there, I'd say Vogue, Godlike, Flesh, and Torture. That one you get Ogre yeah. singing with KMFDM, which is fun. Yeah. So. My three would be Nihil, uh, Symbols, and then Angst. Um, Angst, for some reason, just I remember yeah. seeing videos for that on uh, Beavis and Butthead. I remember right. seeing Drug Against War. Yeah. The song Light is remixed by... Oh, Christopher. man. Light, yeah, Light is an all-timer, man. Yeah, that's a I love, great yeah. song. That, and that's yeah. that's a great Nine Inch Nails remix that we talked about also. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, you know so what? I do yourself a favor. Chock full of solid stuff. Do yourself a favor and go back and listen to Don't You Blow Your Top. Son of yeah. a Gun's great. Yeah. I had a video for that one too. Yeah. And um, on Symbols, Symbols is just, Symbols opens with uh, Megalomaniac, I believe. That's right. Is, and that's a, it's a such a fun song. <coughs> yeah. And it's got the, uh, what's the Ogre song on that album? That's Torture. Symbols. Torture. 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 That's good. It's got that uh, Spit Sperm, I believe, is a closer with, with Pig. Yep. Spit Sperm. And then like Scold's Anarchy's on there. But then Adios, 
Adios is where they started getting kind of bloop and bleep, like two pro tools. Ogre's on that one too, though. But Ogre is on that one. That's what I was going to say. Is one that, Worm Garden? What, uh, oh. It's full, full Worm Garden's on there. There you go. There and you also, go. Um, oh, there's another song. I'm going to look it up in a second. Uh, Ogre's on another song on there, which name I can't remember right now. But also, the song DIY is probably one of my favorite Cayman Theme songs. That's a good that's one. A, that's a great song. That is, and that's very yeah. that's very heavily scold, but it works out really well on that record. So. Yeah. Yep. They have yeah, a great. They, we're checking out. They have a greatest hits collection called Greatest Shit, also with a interesting <laughs> cover. But it's got great songs. It's got it's got a whole lion's share of great of great great songs. So. Well, hold on one stuff, second. Uh, hold on before we before we go to our last segment here. That other, it's a really good song, so I have to look it up. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of it. It is That's All. That's All is a really good KMFDM song. It's catchy as hell. And, uh, is that off Adios? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's, I can't remember if it's Raymond Watts or if it's Ogre. One of the two sing that, sing that song. Hmm. It's great. Look it up. It's That's great. All. And, and, and as far as their side projects go, we went deep into Pig in our Nothing Records episode of the show proper. Yeah, and, and Pig, Pig's, out, Pig's discography is pretty impeccable. Uh, actually, if I'm going to pick my favorite Pig album, it's Praise the Lord. And right behind that is going to be Rex. And uh, his most recent album, The Gospel's uh, really good. The Gospel. Yeah. The Gospel's really good. I'll team up on that. I'll say Mind Sensation and The Gospel. Those are yeah. so good. Yeah, I mean... There's not much left for me to say, be contrarian about it. So, yeah, Sensation Wrecked and the Gospel. If you ever have time, hunt down the, the Pig versus Came at the MEP. It has three really good songs on it. Nice. No, the, actually, yeah, you know what? Hey, Mark, before you go. Yeah. Um, are you recording, Eric? Yeah. I forgot to mention, there are some Came at the M side projects. Uh, one was called Excessive Force. Which was just him, I think. It might have been the guy from My Life in the Thrill Kill Cult. That's probably wrong. Mm-hmm. It basically sounds like mid-era KMFDM. But then there's also Slick Idiot, which was what Enesh and Gunther Schultz did after they left KMFDM. And it's almost unlistenably bad. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, a album, too. Enesque. Oh, yeah? I bet that's the terrible. Album. The oh, album. Yeah, fuck, yes. And, and it looks like the fucking Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Um, exactly. Yeah, they haven't done much in the last, like, NH was almost kind of like, he was kind of, oh, this sounds bad. He was kind of the flavor flavor of the band. He would just kind of prance around and, like, say a couple things every once in a while. But uh, it's too bad that Gunther Schultz didn't ever really figure anything out after he left, because I think that guy was mm. really talented. NH did a pretty bad cover of Terrible Eye. To tie yeah. it back oh, to Oh, yeah, Schultz. well, you know, Pig also did an a almost bad cover of Head Like a Hole. Somehow, so. not quite bad, but yes, yeah. <laughs> not good, not
take that feather in my cap. That's fine. <laughs> I was listening to What Do You Know, know Deutschland While You Were In Short Pants. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Very excited for you, Eric. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, I don't get a lot in life, so. Uh. <laughs> 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 All right, fellas. What's Speaking that? of the way, by the way, I, I meant to mention this in a recording, but uh, Heather's favorite album is uh, Money. Yeah. Her and I are sympathetic. She, she mentioned that when she was talking about your three inch nail. On, on our uh, play date. Right. Heather was feeling it. I think it's important for our listeners to know we do have regularly scheduled podcast uh, member play dates where we get together and hang out and have That's a laugh. Right. And, you know. Are you still recording right now? Yeah. <laughs> Are I you am. leaving this in? And listen to. Oh, our... I didn't know this was going on. All right, right on. <laughs> yeah. Are uh, you ready? Bonus episode. All right. Yep, we're set. We're going. What's the next? of industrial music that uh, was, uh, I don't know. As we were waiting for more Nine Inch Nails releases, uh, we certainly were looking for whatever we can get that anywhere was in the universe, and uh, that last piece was obviously Ministry. So Ministry um, is essentially one guy. Uh, for a while there, it was two. It was Al Jorgensen and Paul Barker. I, I did not know this until today, but Al Jorgensen is not his real name. He was actually born Alejandro Casasis. Yeah, he's a he's a Cuban he's a Cuban uh, immigrant. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, I thought that that was who he was, but it makes sense. Um, kind of looking into uh, his artistic background, that he's. <laughs> He's kind of a jack of all trades, and he even says it himself. He's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. He's not a really a person that is, I don't know, what you would probably consider a strong musician. But with that said, I mean, he can play a lot of different instruments. So Ministry, they actually started in 90, uh, 1981, so earlier than what I thought they did. Um, he was in a band called Special Effect. And they were a new wave synth pop band. And if you happen to be a Ministry fan and you've heard the first two records, whether it's with Sympathy or the album Twitch, uh, you'll notice that Al Jorgensen sings with a British accent. And he's not British. No. And it's even early pictures, he looks like he could be in Wham. Uh, it's not the same Al Jorgensen where he's wearing the you know long black hair, the cowboy hat, and the glasses, looking like how Rob Zombie looks now, or used to look kind of in the white zombie heyday. To that, though, uh, he, he definitely had that accent on the first two records, but With Sympathy and Twitch are pretty different besides... They are. His vocals. Oh, yeah. They are. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, With Sympathy came out, and um, it has a few hits on there. It's it's definitely an oddity in terms of how you would, I guess, 
evaluate his discography um, as a whole. Because when when I heard it, I I had I was shocked. Band. I was shocked when I heard it. I was like, "It's not bad." Band. No, it's not it's bad. It's not bad. It's got some hits. It's not bad. It's just not what we think of when we think of Ministry. Oh, it's uh, every day is Halloween. Hold on a sec, your mic's not working. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh... Well, I'm not Eric, but I'll say it's Effigy. Um, every day is Halloween, and if you've heard that song, that's a sort of popular ministry song. It's been covered by a lot of different bands, and um, including you know, Ministry themselves in a really bad thrash metal version of it. Thirty oh years boy. later. Oh boy. But I mean, okay, so. Early ministry is, is very different than the rest of the uh, the record. But then, if you look at Twitch, you definitely get more clanging pipes, uh, a lot more of that industrial sound. And still, we're not. It's just Daltrogans at this point. So, Twitch, as I was saying, it it has some. The only single that was off of there was Over the Shoulder. It had a video actually directed by Peter Christofferson, and we've ah. mentioned him a couple times. I have yet to actually see this video, but I'm going to have to look that up. Um, it's it's a stepping stone record because it has a little bit of that with sympathy sound, but it, you can see where ministry is logistically heading. Here, here. And yeah. So the next record after that... Um, is pretty much the record that is the foundation for the ministry sound, and that would be the land of rape and honey. songs on there that could dip but it does have that guitar sound that is more aligned with what ministry sounds like and this also introduced paul barker into the band it opened and up I, with stigmata right oh, stigmata yes that's right which stigmata kind of sets the template for the whole the whole ministry thing from there there on forward right and, and even that, the that, and that, ministry mm-hmm. go ahead i was gonna say that video also is one of the greatest a template for industrial low-budget videos where you got Paul Barker and Al Jorgensen on like mopeds in the city in Chicago, 
and then footage of dripping uh, oil and dripping nuts and people played, you know, walking forwards and backwards in slow motion. It's uh, it's it's, it's, it's very very lo-fi Chicago industrial video. Dripping right. nuts. <laughs> Not like nuts nuts, but nuts. <laughs> no, sure. Nuts. Sure. Uh, so the album title came from something he saw on a mug in uh, Saskatchewan. It was the land of rape, seed, and honey. And this is kind of the beginning of his love for, for puns. Um, so Land of Rape and Honey is uh, just a solid record. It's got The Missing. It's got Deity. Uh, it, it's got a lot of samples. It's got some instrumental tracks. It's, it's a solid, solid album. But it's yeah. where they really started. They 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 just they discovered guitars. That's right, and it sampled guitars. And even if you talk to Al Jorgensen, he's not that wild about the song Stigmata, because he found it to be really repetitive and pretty simplistic. But it's a it's a solid solid song. I mean, you can't listen to Ministry without thinking of oh, I should probably listen to Stigmata because that's really where they really picked up their sound. The and this is around is my- this is this is around the same time. That he would have been making uh, rabies with Skinny Puppy, I believe. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, during the this particular time frame, so 88 is when this came out. I think it's probably in between this one and uh, Ministry's next one is when he started working with Skinny Puppy on rabies. And if you look at rabies, I guess Kevin Key and Dwayne Gattel were not too happy with Al Jorgensen's uh, friendship with Nyvek Ogre is because he felt that Al Jorgensen was purposely trying to break up the band. Um, and at that point, Ministry and Skinny Puppy were almost seen as kind of rivals. They weren't really seen as people that were looking to work with one another. Um, you know, they were doing similar acts, you know, using fake blood and, uh, in their stage show and, uh, you know. But, you know, eventually they became Nyvek Ogre and Al Jorgensen became really, really good friends. And I, I you know, I can't say for Nyvek Ogre, but it's certainly been um, uh, recorded that Al Jorgensen had a pretty terrible heroin addiction. And it was bad, where he could have potentially lost arms and limbs because of his, you know, always putting needles in his arms. But the next record, The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste, released a year later, 1989, has an unbelievable song, Thieves. Uh, the whole album from Stop to Breathe, So What, I mean, it is a solid album from start to finish. And again, it's a... It's a play on words from the mind is a terrible thing to waste from, you know, Nancy Reagan and Dare and all of that. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That album, that, that album's probably, you know, trying to dial the hyperbole back. One of the most influ- influential albums in this genre out of all of them. Right. And, uh, yeah, it seems like a flashpoint where all these, like a lot of the bands realize, well, shit, we can do this. We can have these beats, but we can add these guitars to it, you know? And, uh, yeah, I feel the cool thing that ministry did with that album is, uh, you could at that time, I imagine you could go to a ministry show and you could see a goth guy there, a punk guy there, a metalhead there. Yeah. All of them would be there. 
Yes. That, that, that was the cool thing about ministry is that at that time, they could unify all these different uh, genres really well. projects. I mean, he had side projects with, uh, you know, Ian McKay, uh, Jello Biafra, uh, others from all walks of life. So that, yeah. uh, that was, a, that was just, his ministry was definitely a focal point of all that stuff. And that album just, that album's amazing. It has those three big hits, but it also has, uh, um, oh hell, the Cannibal song, which is actually a very cool song. Sounds like, it, that, that actually burning that inside album, burning inside it's another great song the cannibal song sounds like what I think Jane's Addiction wishes they sounded like and I hate yeah. Jane's Addiction but I love the cannibal song right. and uh yeah it's a, it's a solid record no that's actually a really good way to categorize the cannibal song uh, with the vocals I can see that's probably what Perry Farrell was trying to go for um you know, just in, not to mention this out, this band was signed to a major label. They were signed to Warner Brothers. That's insane. Um, you know, aside from Nine Inch Nails, I would say Ministry enjoyed the most major label mainstream success out of these three bands that we're talking about. Oh, definitely. And that's crazy. I yeah. mean, that's pretty crazy. I mean, if you think about it, Land of Rape and Honey, Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste, and Psalm 69, uh, those three records just back to back to back, I mean, that's a solid solid entry of yeah, into the it, world of industrial music and it was around this time that Al Jorgensen really started embracing like the cowboy from hill yeah. kind of a, po- a post-apocalyptic cowboy like fields of Niflin yeah <laughs> yeah he definitely started embracing that and uh, no it was uh, they, they they weren't as humorous as came at the end but they definitely as dark as they were they also with the puns and also there was a goofball antic, like an undertone of some of it, where uh, it, it was it, it, it was very unique. And yeah, Rob yeah. Zombie and I, I, I'm okay with Rob Zombie. I like a lot of his stuff. He definitely borrowed a lot of what Al Jorgensen was doing for himself. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, it can't be uh, denied on that on the the whole stylistic look. The cow, the Al dreadlocks, with the cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me to the next record, which is Psalm 69, um, which is uh, just solid from top to bottom. The one thing more, about, more guitars, I think, even more guitars in the album. It does, yeah, because the one thing about the previous record, "The Mind Is a Terrible Thing to Taste," is that it has one song on there that I think was a misstep, and that was the song "Test," where they brought in a I can't remember the rapper's name, but they brought as a rap. Uh, lyric over it and even the AV club cited it as the one song that potentially derailed a great album mm. and I don't even mind that so I, yeah it's a, you stay forward I step back or whatever it is that's yeah, right I, that's yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> musically it's not bad it's just goofy but it comes out of no, it definitely sticks out yeah 
but Psalm 69 has uh, New World Order or NWO, um, and it's got that George W. Bush like uh, Bush the first one. Bush George H. One. Is that George H. W. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a New World Order. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a New World Order. Oh, you, uh, they would come to love sampling presidents in their songs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we'll get to that. So, <laughs> just one fix. Uh, Jesus built my hot rod featuring Gibby Haynes. That's a goofy ass song right there. That's so, a great song. Yeah, that is a. That's a great Gibby song. Haynes was so it, that, drunk he had no idea what he was doing. He can't that's even fine. Recording it. That, that song, it goes hand in hand very well with the Butthole Surfer song, uh, Who Was in My Room Last Night. So there was only one thing that I could do was ding a ding dang, my dang along ling long. So yeah, um, just one fix is also, oh man, just one fix. The just when how the, it kicks off, yeah, yeah, with the screams, then the the, the drum, yeah. the the kick drum, oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, NWO uh, or New World Order was actually nominated for a Grammy, and you know who it lost to? Jethro Tull. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails, Wish. Wish. Oh, all right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. funny. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I can't believe in that day and age, Nine Inch Nails. It was for best metal performance, right. and uh, you know when they actually meant something back then. You know, this reminds um, me of something we didn't we didn't mention, and the the era has already passed. But Nine Inch Nails was at least nominated, but maybe won another Grammy for the live version of Happiness and Slavery off Woodstock '94 soundtrack. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yep. wild. I got to check. I, they were either they either won it or they were just nominated. They were for sure nominated. Yeah, yeah. So after this particular album is when a lot of ministry hardcore ministry fans really started to tune out. Um, so the next record was Filth Pig. Um, it has an unbelievable cover of Lay Lady Lay. That's oh, beautiful. Though it's not that bad. Um, it's Lava. I, li- I like the song Lava. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm also I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the song The Fall. Uh, actually, I, I own the single of The Fall for some reason. That's yeah. the closest thing they probably ever got to to a ballad. But, uh, it's good. What about Brick yeah, Houses? Filth, filth, Brick Houses filth on pig, there? Filth Pig, much like The Process by Skinny Puppy at the time. Maligned by the hardcore fans at the time, but looking back, I just think people didn't get what they were expecting. But it's not a bad record. It's a little slower. That's it. It's a little slower. It's more of a dirge. It kind of sounds like it could be a Melvin's album, but it's not bad. Right. Um, I, I, I do think that it's misaligned. Uh, it's I, I, it's worth people's time and attention. If they're really diving into ministry, it's not worth skipping. I think it's it, you should pay attention to that one. Dark Side of the Spoon is another one that's underappreciated, I feel, too. Um, Attaboy. This is this was all a lead-up for you giving... I wasn't going to tell you how I feel about that record until I heard what you said, but it's a good job, Mark. I absolutely love Dark Side of the Spoon. Yeah. Uh, at first, when I heard it, I didn't, um, 
I didn't fall in love with it, but uh, after setting it aside for like almost 10 years and then picking it up again, it's really good. I, I think that um, there's one song on there that is uh, Eureka Pile, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. Where he sings like an old prospector. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Supermanic Soul, Bad Blood. Bad Blood was also featured on the Matrix soundtrack. Bad Blood is a fucking all-timer of a song. Yeah. It's a yeah. great song. Yeah, Dark Side of the Spoon is... is Sanctuary Records, and yes. Skinny Puppy released some albums off Sanctuary, uh, but it was Animosito... Okay, I'm going to try it. It's hard again. to pronounce. Yeah. Animatosomania, or something like that. It's Animosity, it's basically, if you take Animosity the, if you, spelled backwards. Exactly. Right. Um, that one's actually a really good one, too, and this is Paul Barker's last album with them. Um, so... Al Jorgensen and Paul Barker, they really started to hate each other, and they were throwing chairs at each other, and Paul Barker was just just had enough. And I'd imagine that knowing, knowing Al Jorgensen, it was more Paul Barker just being like, I can't work with this fucking asshole anymore. Exactly. Especially then. Yep. You know. And, that, so, that album... Uh, it, that album holds up very well. I think it's kind of a sleeper hit. It is. Um, um, they have a cover of a, a song uh, by the band Magazine called The Light Pours Out of Me. That one's a really good cover. Yep. The title track, the op- the opening track, Animosity is actually what it's called, is fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, there's some solid stuff on that one. Um, but then after that, uh, when Paul Barker officially called it quits, uh, you know, this is 2004, and that's when Al Jorgensen really started to release uh, just a lot of venom towards George W. Bush. And he released three records, Houses of the Mole, A Rio Grande Blood, and The Last Sucker, all really geared against um, George W. Bush. And they, their sound got more thrashy, and I really just started to tune out at that point. It was That's, yes, it's, and I, I, I love thrash metal, but all those albums just sound... Actually, for the most part, everything since Animosimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
that takes you flash forward from now. There's an RPM but, change between songs. Yeah. Yeah, but but also, it still suffers from the same thing Ministry suffered for from for the last 15 years, where it's just like the album cover is terrible, Photoshop. The lyrics are like first pass, no second draft lyrics. Uh, yeah, it's a they a, a very Ministry is very amateurish in the last 15 years. Yeah. It's a. There's, there's not there's not much going on there. And they also started just emptying the vault of everything they own. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, if, like, if that's because with stream... remix albums, yeah. There's all these remix albums. There's all these live albums of... Cover like albums? The same, yeah, there, there's, a, there, there's various live albums from the same tour. There's cover albums of bad covers that all sound like a really bland version of ACDC's, uh, you know, Highway to Hell. <laughs> or ZZ Top's uh, Sharpest Man. And they sound exactly the same. Their cover of um, uh, What a Wonderful World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all that aside, you know, but, you know, Al's brain has kind of gone to soup to an extent. I think he finally kicked, kicked heroin. And, uh, you know, despite how it, much like Game of Thrones, I, I, it, I think Game of Thrones is worse now. It's hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> but... Despite that they're not blowing my mind now, the fact that the work they did when they were at the height of their powers is they, they get a lifetime pass. Yeah. So, yeah, there's more highs than uh, I don't know. I, I think that there's more highs in the ministry catalog, but I, I would say that Skinny Puppy, out of the three bands that we've talked about, has the most kind of, uh, consistent discography. Um, Agreed. The other ministry and KMFDM definitely fell off the wagon at some point and just lost their way. Um, right. But, you know, there's... Yeah, but think, but think, Go ahead. But think of, think of, think of it like, listen, let's, let's just, uh, including covers, just, I, I wrote down, off the top of my head, ministry songs that just kick my ass. You got Lay Lady Lay, The Fall, Bad Blood, What About Us, Lava, uh, their version of Smothered Hope, NWO, Just One Fix, Jesus Built My Hot Rod, uh, Just Like You, Stigmata, The Isle of Man, uh, burning inside, Deity, Reload, FFG, Every Day is Halloween. Over my shoulder. Thieves. Over my shoulder. Over the shoulder. Oh yeah. Breathe. So what? Supermaniac Soul. 
the Cannibal song. Uh, Ministry just has a ton yeah, of great songs. They do. They do. No, they do. For they for do. for me, um, and I got into them with "Mine Is a Terrible Thing to Taste," and then I got "Filth Pig" when that came out, um, and then uh, and Psalm sixty nine. Uh, I didn't get the uh, minus terrible thing to taste when it came out, obviously, but I got that later. But going back and listening to it now, I like Land of Rape and Honey and Twitch. Um, I love that they were still using synths back then. And Land of Rape and Honey, Paul Barker was just, he just, his groovy bass lines um, really just just added so much to their, their stuff. Now, it seems like pretty much from that album on, they really got rid of a lot of synth sounds. There's not a lot of synths going on. Or if it is, it's like more mimicking orchestrated stuff and then like obviously vocal samples. Thieves is a one of my all-time favorite songs of all time. And that's just got so much shit going on in it. Um, but I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but one big difference with them and a lot of industrial bands is like they had programmed drums, you know, like really fast programmed drums, but like actual like synthesized music was was pretty was not really used as much with them as they went on right no so, they became more of a metal band right 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 and, and yeah i think they were they were definitely a gateway to, to trashy metal shit right. for me right um, and, that, and that's not a bad thing at all I, no I, not at all yeah no I, just, that, that makes them that makes them cool were. that makes them cool and, and definitely different um but they definitely went too far to the dark side <laughs> in the last like 10 <laughs> Having not heard uh, Twitch until very recently, I mean on the I, live album. Oh, shit, we're having some delay here. Hold on a second. I, I was just gonna say, sure. Oh, are we are we good? You there, Steve? I don't know. I'm here. Okay, sorry, there was delay. We got we had a little a oh. little lag there. We're good. No problem. I was just I, I was, was just saying say... I was just saying uh, having never heard Twitch. Uh, I was I, I, and I'm blown away. Like I, I thought it was a really cool transition from where they started to where they ended up. And I agree with you, Mark, 100% on that one. Right. And I was going to say about like drums, um, they had Martin Atkins and from Pigface. Oh yeah. And uh, Bill Rifflin, both drumming at the same time on uh, the live album. In case you didn't feel like showing up. So awesome. So good. Oh yeah. my God! If you can hear the live version of So What and how yeah. they play off of each other. It's whole, really good. That's really things good. No, on YouTube. I, have that, I, have that, I still have a VHS. It's actually in this basement somewhere. Um, that whole thing's that, on YouTube that, if that, you haven't seen that's, it. That's, yeah, it's a great little live live EP. Uh, Mark pointed out to me that the uh, this album they put out recently with terrible album artwork called Live Neo ne- Necronomicon. Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, it takes like a full live show from that era, and it's actually really good. Um, I always suggest it. It has their version of Smothered Hope on it. It has that good version of So What, and it has a whole bunch of other songs. It has Jello <laughs> Biafra on there doing a Lard song, which actually, we might as well segue. Al, Al Jorgensen, that motherfucker played music with everybody. Yeah. There was a, a ton of side projects. And so there was, um, well, there, there's Ministry. Revolting Cox. Yeah. Revolting Cox, A Thousand Homo DJs. Um, keep going, Mark. Uh, Lard, uh, PTP. We talked about them. Yeah. Oh, there's. Uh, I, I like. I like Acid Horse a lot. There was only w- one song. Yeah. It was. It was Al Jorgensen, Paul Barker, Chris Connolly, and one of the guys from uh, Cabaret Voltaire. Um, and their song, um, "No Name, No Slogan," is a banger. No name. 
Captain Cox started with uh, one of the guys from Front 242. Um, and then we've got Lard, which is with uh, General Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. Uh, Paul Barker was on base with that one too. Jeff Ward, who also played a little bit with Nine Inch Nails. Uh, we talked about Lard in our Natural uh, uh, Born Killers episode. Yep. Yep. Uh, 1000 Homo DJs, which uh, famously had Trent Reznor on the vocals for the cover of Supernaut. Yep. Which they had to distort, and uh, you know the deal on that. We talked about PTP. Oh, sorry. ALK. Really quick. Sorry. 1000 Homo yep. DJs, really recommended though. They're not just a one hit wonder. Listen to their song, Apathy. Good song. Sorry, go on. And then Palehead, which was Al Jorgensen with the uh, frontman for Minor Threat and Fugazi, which is Ian McKay. Um, they had a, a small EP. Um, which is amazing thinking of those two playing music together, considering their lifestyle choices. Oh my god. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Barker had a uh, side project called Lead Into Gold. Apparently, Trent Reznor is in the video for the song Faster Than Light. He can be seen playing the guitar. Uh, and Surgical Meth Machine is one of the newer <laughs> side projects, which I am not going to expose myself to. But apparently, uh, Jello Biafra, it's more speed thrash metal nonsense. Um, Google, YouTube, well, maybe we'll put some video links up so you can torture yourself with that. <laughs> it's not that good. The video I saw just um, had Al Jorgensen driving through Las Vegas playing a baby Casio keyboard. <laughs> but I think uh, that's also it. Paul, I think that, Paul I Barker also post, post ministry Paul Barker has a uh, act called Pink Anvil that was on Ipecac which is um, it's kind of like an hour, an hour long song with a lot of like saxophone blasts. Um, and uh I think that's it. I'm sure we're forgetting about somebody. So I would say if you're getting into ministry, uh, the top three albums to really look for is Psalm 69, Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. I'd hate to say The Land of Rape and Honey because it's so obvious, but really give Dark Side of the Spoon uh, a day in court. It's worth your time. boy. I've never listened to it, but I will now. What it's the fuck? Time. It's worth your time. Um, yeah. yeah. Eric, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. All right. Cool. How about you? I mean, in, in terms of songs, I think we've really hit all of the, the best songs to really look out for. Um, but Steve, what would you say for your top three albums? Well, I actually say uh, that it's not my top three album, but if you get that, if you just, if you're, go to your Apple Music or whatever and put on that uh, Greatest Fits, uh, Greatest Hits album. You'll get you'll you'll get the point real quick about why they're so good, but um, I mean I guess I said saying about good. I guess I'm saying that sometimes greatest hits albums will work out. <laughs> they're a good little gateway. Right? Yeah, but no, if I you Just know it's really toe in. it's really hard not to say those, those top three out the the land of rape and honey, my terrible thing to taste, the Psalm 69. It's really hard not just to say those three because that's like a perfect trilogy, right there. It's uh, it's it's. My other terrible thing to taste is like might be the the pinnacle of the genre, for God's sakes. It's, right. It's it's up there. It's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So yeah. no, I would just say those top three. Um, yeah, and and actually, greatest bringing greatest fits into it. It, it is a great album because uh, as much as I love a ministry, is prone to repetition at times, 
and like Greatest Fits definitely cuts to the to the high points, um, and those songs are some of the highest points on those albums. But that's not on my list. Um, Twitch EP, uh, my uh, Land of Rape and Honey. And mine is a terrible thing to taste, but an honorable mention is the compilation Sidetracks, because the side project with Ogre, PTP only has two songs, they're both great. Thousand Homo DJs, all those songs are great. Uh, Acid Horse is great. Um, and I like Revolting Cox. The real first, well, I don't know about it anymore, because they, they look absolutely ridiculous. I haven't even listened to it. It looks like stripper music now, but their first couple albums, uh, Beer, Steers, and Queers, um... And uh, Linger Ficking Good, uh, like the song Cracking Up, great. The song Creep, great. Uh, they're, they're, they, they, they started out in great uh, Paul Barker bass lines and, and, and all sorts of cool shit in that band. Um, I, yeah, they I, have a really good cover of Do You Think I'm Sexy, too. They, on that. <laughs> they yeah. do. They do. Either, I don't write them off. So, I think they're great. So, yeah. And also, uh, honorable mention, uh, I really, really, really like the... Uh, I cannot pronounce it, but the Animosity Animositima album. Uh, I think it's 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 it's. There's not one bad song on it. You can definitely tell it's heavily Paul Barker more so than Al. You could tell that like that was his swan song, and I think it's a great record. Um, that record was actually I saw them for the tour of that record in Reno. No, no, not Reno. I'm sorry, uh, Sparks, Nevada, which is probably the perfect place to see Ministry. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys um spe- speaking of which uh what the hell was i gonna say oh fuck edit it out i forgot i was gonna say all right we'll put oh, no, no, yeah i got it no did either i haven't read it i need to have either of you read al jorgensen's biography i have not i know i was <laughs> uh when i was doing my research i was like i need to pick up that book yeah I bet it's but i'm sure it's bad i'm sure it's not that good but He's kind of become a cartoon. He did drug. He did heavy, heavy drugs for twenty years, but I think he's sobered up now. But Al Jorgensen's kind of like the weird heroin version of Les Claypool to me, and I, I enjoy yeah. that. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. All right. Well, well, take us home, Eric. Sure. Sure. So, do you guys have any other honorable mentions as far as industrial groups go that weren't in the big three? Uh, we're about to move on with Nine Inch Nails. As soon as we get to the Fragile, we're about to leave Industrial behind, um, for the most part. Do you have any other any other bands we didn't mention? I'll say like Front Two Four Two was mentioned. They're a great like Belgium industrial dance band. Um, totally worth a mention. Anything else from the era? Well, I think I mentioned a lot of that in the Crow oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Just kind of tying just kind of tying Industrial up in a nice little knot here. Um, well, I can tell you who not to listen to. Don't listen to Velvet Acid Christ. Uh, <laughs> I got into them for a while. I saw them live. That was a bad move. Yeah, I was with you on that one. How Job was also opening up for them. Who, if you look at How Job, they look like two uh, German software engineers, <laughs> like someone who would play industrial music. That's funny. Yeah, and the, their presence live was about just as good. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, it was a it was a it was a music of its time. Definitely, uh, late '80s to late '90s was its heyday. Um, uh, it was it was definitely co-opted into pop culture by like movies. Whenever they needed a club scene, 
be it Bad Boys 2, <laughs> Mortal yeah. Kombat 2, you'd have Duke Joint Jezebel or some other, you know, industrial song, you know, Meet Beat Manifesto in, uh, in Matrix and, you know, all, you know, Nine Inch Nails and countless films. Um, and, you know, it's, it never totally went away, but it's, you know, as a fan and being one of my favorite genres of music, I definitely stopped following it for a while, but it's having a little bit of a resurgence now. Um, Steve was kind enough to introduce me to a new group called Youth Code from L.A., um, right, Steve? Good band. Yes. Yeah. A very good band. They toured a skinny puppy. It's just a. It's a guy and a girl, and they they know how to get the beats going, and they know how to uh, they, they 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 know how to use just enough grit with their with their 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 samples to uh, figure it out. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, another group was uh, kind of melding industrial music with like the spaz rock, math rock craze of the early aughts, and they're called Street Sex. Um, and uh, I like I like everything I've heard by them. Um, pretty experimental. Um, another LA group, Three Teeth, is uh, in, totally industrial. Um, aesthetically, they definitely have like you know Trent Reznor's eye for aesthetics and uh, marketing. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, pretty solid, pretty solid two albums, uh, that, that I enjoy as well. You know, little guitar, but high on the synths, uh, you know, forgettable vocals, but it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it's, it gives me promise for the genre. So what if instead of I talked about ministry, I surprised you guys and I talked about orgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, funny story about orgy. Uh, one time, I don't know. I, I don't. I you know. I don't remember the exact details of this, but my wife was telling me that uh, a friend of hers was saying that, like, she went to see Orgy play nearby, in at the height of their powers, which was what nineteen ninety eight. Yes, during like their Blue Monday cover song. And era. and, he, yeah. and uh, she said she's in the Placerville area, and he said, "Oh yeah, my mom lives in Placerville. We should go visit her." And uh, he basically took her back to his mom's house the next day. I don't want to know what transpired in between. And it turned out that he just like took her to a trailer park in Placerville, and that was his mom's house. So there you go. The guy from from Orgy's mother lives in a trailer park in Placerville. Mm. Is the guy from Orgy? That's some dark secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the is the guy is the guy from Orgy Tim Scold? <laughs> no, they look. They look I think be. it's Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach and, and uh, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I can't think, you know, Eric, I can't think of a lot of the other industrial bands we used to be into because I think I just forgot about a lot of them. Basically, either I fell in love with these bands and never forgot about them or just the rest of them just fell by the wayside because right. they weren't worth remembering. Or, or actually, honestly, a lot of the lion's share of the stuff that we haven't really focused on is that side project stuff that we've kind of mentioned anyways. Be it, yeah. be it Nine Inch Nails or Ministry or, you know, KMFDM, you know, all their little side groups, we definitely checked out and it's all worth, you know, a lot of it's worth, not all of it, but it's a lot of it's worth checking out. guys well that's our bonus episode i think we've you know really spread this genre right, wide open and uh i don't know feel good about moving on <laughs> i'm to turn a phrase there buddy 
<laughs> well, thanks again for listening, everyone. I'm Mark. I'm Eric. I'm Steven. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there he is. There he is. We'll be back. We'll be back soon with, uh, you know, the further adventures of my. <laughs>